Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And with me today is Carolyn Neuheiser. Carolyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and uh, any ministry projects that uh, you and your husband are up to these days? Sure. I am uh, married to Jim Neuheiser. And we've been married 43 years, have three adult sons. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina, where Jim is the associate professor of Christian counseling and pastoral theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in the Charlotte Seminary. So my job is to help him as in that job, I ended up getting my master's degree at RTS Charlotte, and now I'm the assistant coordinator for women's counseling, which means I do a lot of counseling. I um, am a biblical counselor relying on scripture. I train women for counseling, and I have written this book with my friend, Cheryl. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I, I didn't know that you were doing that at, at RTS Charlotte there. So that's wonderful. That's mm -hmm. great. Thanks. I love hearing that. Well, can you tell us about this book, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love, why you and Cheryl wrote it and how it, maybe it's uh, already been received or any encouragement that you guys have got from it? Yeah, we're very glad that Crossway published it. They took a chance on us as unknowns. <laughs> but uh, Cheryl, a few years back, had the idea that we needed to write a book that will help women to interact with each other using scripture. Mm -hmm. So she had run across women who don't have answers for, say, a, a friend who's had a miscarriage. What do I say? So this is people who've been in church for a long time, but don't know where to go in the Bible. And I am a biblical counselor, and I would just as soon women minister each, to each other and work myself out of a job, really. I'd like to see more discipleship happening in the church using the word so that um, you know, I can take tough cases and experienced counselors can take really hard cases, but we should help one another. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, it's not only a problem with women, it's a problem with men, too. Yes, I'm sure you know it's a big problem. So I just want to say that too. But uh, no, this is a this is a phenomenal book. I mean, I um, thought that it was not only well written, but you use such personal examples and that are really helpful. But you're not pointing to yourself either, and so you're pointing to the Word and to the work of Christ. And so I think that's really really important. Um, so what are what are the three God-given goals for our personal relationships with other Christians that you guys talk about? 
We could go many directions, but Cheryl and I focused on Ephesians 4, 13, which talks about the work of the church, equipping the saints. The leaders are equipping the saints. And then the goal is in 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as you and I talked about, Dave, the unity of the faith or doctrine is going to be critical. That's what unites us to um, follow the Lord. So when we speak to one another, we want to have that unity with each other of what we believe about the truth in the scripture. But we also want to know God. We want to know the Son of God so that we can follow him. And that's the other the third goal is mature manhood. We want to be mature in Christ's likeness as we follow him. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think I think um this idea of speaking the truth in love is so important because we're living in a time when I think, you know, you have two opposites. People say that well, just love, right? Um, but we miss you we miss the point that love is is a biblical idea it's a god-giving idea and so you can't just love for love's sake and you can't just be about the truth for the truth's sake which is why there's a balance in the bible and and so many of these things and you know i'll, I'll never forget it i'll use a personal example here as, as we get started um when when um about eight eight or so years ago uh one of my mentors she's now with the lord and uh he he said dave you don't have a knowledge problem you have an application problem what he meant was dave you know how to talk about theology pretty well but you don't know how to take it home in your life and i think there's a lot of um um there's a lot of guys that are like that they've been to seminary but they don't know how to love and they don't know how to care for other people um very well and then you know, the opposite air is you, you love theology so much and you have no people skills. And there's people like that, too. You know, well, some biblical just, counseling has the same reputation yeah. that we're truth tellers, but we're not compassionate. So the uh, next few verses, Ephesians 4.15 says we're to speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So speaking truth with love that's why that was our purpose in our book we had to have both and you and you model it so well um i i, I just read i've read it now twice and the second time through i was just really i was just really noticing that on um, it's not just that you know we have doctrine it, and it's not only that we're supposed to speak it but we should provide a model of it and that's what I think this book does so well as it provides a, you know, a model for how to do that. We need, um, we need that in our, in our day. So I think it's really good. Well, I love how you and Cheryl challenge your readers in your, in, in the words of the book to commit to speaking wisely and graciously the truth of God's word to those you love according to their need. How does this benefit our relationship with those in our home and in our local churches? That's a great question, <laughs> but it makes us consider exactly what you're saying 
So we break it down. We're speaking wisely. Like I said, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. And then one of my favorite verses that has the same connection between wisdom and truth and loving that loving attitude is Proverbs 31, 26. So that's my favorite verse in Proverbs 31 right now. It describes a woman who opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Hmm. So it's one thing to know truth, but when we're working with family members or in our church or with a counselee, we want to have the kindness as well. So that aspect of teaching is what a lot of our book is stressing, that interacting with other people using scripture but with kindness and according to the need you said. So the um, Ephesians 4.29 passage emphasizes that that our words are to be good for building up as fits the occasion. Cheryl and I are writing a lot of blogs and we're about ready to write a blog for Crossway about what to do at Christmas time with your family members. How do you interact with people around your table? according to the need, but with truth and kindness. So we've been working on how to do that, um, how to be gracious as we speak truth. And some of it is, I know that the Thanksgiving table is not the time to confront. It's not the need of the moment right then. So a lot of that is just wisdom, knowing what the other scriptures say about how to deal with peacemaking and uh, in our churches too. So I hope that this book will draw people into answering that question Mm. and that it will um, benefit the people in their own homes and in their own churches. Now that, that what you said there about, you know, the dinner table and Thanksgiving, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is to say something, but um, to realize the occasion and the timing of it too. Like, just because you have something urgent that you think that you should share and, and you have to have, it has to be the right time too, you know, and uh, um, just, just blurting out whatever you want to say. Like if you're in a small group and I have a thought, well, did you think about that? What you were going to say? Did you think through it or, or did you just want to, Hey, I got this thought. Uh, But did you think, I always think in this way, is what I'm going to say really going to be the most helpful for those, or is it just for my own benefit? And if it's for my own benefit, then, you know. <laughs> that's right. It says here that's for edification or building up in Ephesians 4.29. So I'm thinking about the the um, the result of what I'm going to say, what is going to be the result. Yeah. Doesn't mean we avoid conflict. Yeah. Either. Yeah. 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 It's like a husband and a wife. Uh, They have sometimes, you know, we'll use that example. Sometimes my wife and I, we butt heads. Okay. You know, it happens. Um, But sometimes we've also had to learn at that time, it's probably best that for us not to, if we're really going like this, it's time to go pray. It's not time to work it through. And there's a, there's a time for like, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's time for everything under the sun, you know, and so. That's right. And when you think about peacemaking, conflict, the the underlying principle is 
I love you. I care about you. This is why I want to talk to you. So Cheryl and I talk about that several times in our book, how you've got the basis of your relationship on love or on fellow, this is a fellow Christian. And then now I can speak into you because of that basis. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. You know, um, what does patience look like in our friendships with one another? It's, uh, it's, you're asking me to describe what patience looks like. It's, uh, makes me think of what Jesus was like. So I went through John 21 with the lady to just a few hours ago, and John describes how the Lord ministered to Peter with great patience. Mm -hmm. When Peter had denied him, and Jesus knew that was going to happen, and yet restoration was what Jesus did patiently. But the first thing he did was fed them breakfast. <laughs> he ministered to the physical needs of the disciples and of Peter himself. So we're starting with that. We're looking at physical, um, physical love towards people and demonstrating patience by listening carefully, thinking the best. Um, we're supposed to love covers a multitude of sins, so we're supposed to be patient that way when we've been offended, let things pass by. And it says, love one another deeply is another passage that's really important for the heart, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if our heart is right, it's going to come out in the right yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're talking about in the context of speech. So we have to remember, what is this Holy Spirit trying to do in us? One of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Woo! You Amen. Know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. You know, uh, my mentor said, what is God trying to do with you? He's teaching you patience. I'm like, ouch. Um, you know, patience with people and uh, patience and kind, like you talked about kindness. I mean, we can be in such a rush to get our words out, to not even not even consider what the other person says, which that that's pride, right? I mean, it it's the opposite of humility and bearing with one another as we're instructed to do. And I mean, and then then. Then, like with the guys that I work with, then they wonder, well, why do I have such conflict in my in my relationships with other people? And it's like, yeah. So when this is when words matter most, like placement of our words, timing of our words, and like in this passage in First Peter four eight calls us in verse seven to be self controlled and sober minded, and then. Because we love one another earnestly, we can cover a multitude of sins. But I just want to go on and talk about what we're saying to one another. It's And this is Cheryl and I are talking about the words themselves. Moving away from, this is my opinion, this is what I think you should do, to this is what scripture says. So speaking truth. Yeah. And uh, we spent a whole chapter on the beauty of the scripture. And then plenty of other passages show that what God says about this is what matters. Mm. So the truth we're speaking is 
for God's sake, we're applying the Bible to people and their problems. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're demonstrating what your husband calls, and I love this, because it's stuck with me. It's stuck with me. I mean, I've done 400 of these, and it's stuck in the back yeah. of my head. He he taught, and I might not be getting it exactly right, but how much of God's word can you? It was a question. How much of God's word can you access? You know, and it's no. it's exactly how, what you're demonstrating. Huh? How thick is your Bible? How, how thick is your Bible? Is that how thick your Bible is, or how much of God's word can you access? Well, you've got a great summary of his statement. How thick is your Bible? How much of the Bible do you know? Do you just know John three sixteen, or? Can you yeah. use other passages yeah. to help people? That's great. Okay, so it's how thick your Bible is. Okay, I got it now. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get it right. It'll it might it might take a little while, but I'll I'll get it right. Yeah, it's a it's a really important thing. Um, you know, when you're engaging with people, it's like how much of it can you access? How much of it can you? How thick is your Bible? You know, and and it's and it's okay if it's not very thick. You know, start reading it. it it's a convicting question. Um, so, for but everybody, when what I wanted to mention right now, Dave, is that the book gives us passages to use with different problems. And when Crossway gave us advice, they said we want you to write out the scriptures. So it's right there in the book. So you can use it if you know somebody who's weary or weeping. You can turn to that section and see what is the scripture, actually. And we break it up into small pieces so we can apply different sections of the scripture to the problem. That's really good and and really important, you know, not just like, oh, put the verse in there. But I think actually quoting the verses so so important um whether in an article or a book or any any sort of thing um to give people put that before people so well how do we begin to speak the truth and love to others well we like you were saying already we need to know the truth we need to know the bible that's why i went to seminary and to, our seminary requires you to study every single book of the Bible. Doesn't mean every, you read it all through, of course, but in class, we had classes that covered each book. And that's was a weakness of mine, especially the Old Testament, big gaps there. So I needed to know the Bible so I could use it. And when I'm speaking the truth, I am seeking to grow up into Christ. So like you said, not just head knowledge, but Christ-likeness in the approach and how he used scripture. We look at him as our example to fight temptation or to um, testify of himself. He used scripture. It's really good. It's really good. Um, how should we speak the truth and love in the midst of conflict with others in our families and in our local churches? Well, it's um, important to speak kindly, gently, as we've said. So our approach is for their good and not because we need to make a point or get them to change views. And as we think about the holidays, this podcast is coming out right at that time when people are planning to be around unbelieving family members or maybe they're um, ministering to neighbors. 
And now we're thinking, how do I handle the conflict that could come from those situations? But um, sometimes it's listening, like you said. And James 1.19 says we have to be quick to listen. So the thing we do quickly is listening and then slow to speak. So we're gathering data. And more than once, I found myself ready to give a verse because I I think I know the situation. But as the woman keeps talking, I realize I didn't understand it at all. I didn't know what her real need was. She had to keep talking before I could apply the correct scripture. And I love that the Bible does act like a sword. And it does make changes, but it needs to be accurately wielded. I guess uh, swinging a sword around with abandon is not going to help anybody. (laughs) But we're using it. We're rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have to be knowledgeable and kind. Yeah. Yeah, we I think one thing that especially maybe in our circles that we can do um, is we think and and we we don't believe this. I don't think we don't believe that we're anybody's Holy Spirit, but we we often act like we are, you know, well, I'm just going to take this theology and go, here you go. And then uh, we think suddenly they'll open their their eyes will be suddenly so open and so ready. And we just totally forget that that's not even that's not even how that happens. No. And like the lady I was talking to to today, I was giving her advice, but I said, don't do anything because I'm saying it. I want you to look at this passage and see, is that God teaching you the truth? Do you see it there? Because otherwise, um, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow what the word says. Yeah, that's so important. Just taking people back to to the to the scripture and, you know, any any any, you know, as we are going through, you know, this holiday season, any practical advice, you know, as people gather, as they have unbelievers in their families, um, what, what would be the best approach, you know, as we as we welcome people around the table into our homes, you know, during during this holiday season. Yeah, I'm sure that's a question your readers are asking them, your listeners are asking themselves. So you have listeners who um, are in positions of authority, some of them, but we don't want to use our authority the wrong way. And I don't think we realize as uh, Bible teachers how that comes across. Either we're putting ourselves that way, out that way, or people are listening to us. I was like, well, dad's speaking, dad's the pastor. So what he has to say has all this weight to it. But we're um, we're looking at picking our moments, like you said, use a word in season, a word fitly spoken. And I want to give another concept that might be helpful is that is some of this confrontation or um, words we might feel like we need to say need to be done in private. So we might have one event around the table, but basting the turkey or frying a turkey outside where you're one-on-one might be a time to bring up, son, do you have a job? Or (laughs) some of these things we think are really important. Um, We're privately doing dishes. 
like I just I have something on my heart. And one thing Cheryl and I talk about is asking permission before you start to exhort somebody. What I have something on my mind. Could I talk to you about it? Or is this a good time for us to talk? And that gives a two-way conversation instead. And parents can get in lecture mode, right? And instead, if we invite someone to listen, and then they can tell us it's not a good time, or could we wait till later? That helps them to assent to listening to what we have to say. Or maybe they could even say, well, what what is it maybe that you wanted to even talk about? I'm just thinking as you're talking about, what is it that you maybe want to talk about? And then they can, you can just say, hey, I wanted to talk about this. Well, maybe we can not talk about that now, or maybe not ever, you know, and they don't. <laughs> Then you, then you know, I got to be really praying, you know, because that's yeah. something too. Yes, I'm glad you said that because prayer can't be forgotten. And even uh, prayer before the events. So let's say, I, I don't know how many singles find it a nightmare to be in a family where they know they're going to get the question, are you dating anybody? Or is there anybody in your life? Or what are you doing with your life? You should be married by now. To make in a very uncomfortable situation for a single instead lord is this the right time praying about that um yeah i'm glad you brought that up yeah so it's I, coming before the lord with humility yeah I, I, and i really like what you said giving asking for permission rather than just barging right in and saying hey i got something to say or whatever you know um it shows a lot of respect, you know, and a lot of consideration for the for the other person. I think it's something that, you know, I don't do very well. Um, I need to probably work on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, but it's it's important because I think because, you know, rather than just going in and being like, hey, I got, got this or, you know, whatever, um, just because I know things about somebody. I should still ask, you know, hey, is now a good time? Could we talk about this? Or, you know, and then, yeah, I want to talk about that. Or I don't want to talk about it. Or, okay. And then go back and pray about it. You know, some sometimes there's 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 some family in, in you know, in our area here that where we live. And I'm just like, I'll just, I'll just, honestly, they'll come over and I'll be like, now's not the time to, to really, and I'll just pray, you know, for them and, see how they're doing and, and i'm like then i know you know um but i think all that let really me add to that is i need to pray not only for them but for myself and i'll mention uh psalm 139 verse 23 which asks the lord to search me search me O god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts so i'm asking the lord to help me to know if I'm saying these right things, because it says in 24, the next verse, and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is my heart that I want to show to others. But show me, is there anything else I need to change as something? Because I don't want it to slip. That's what happens when we're not having self-control. Yeah. <laughs> the real heart shows up. Yep. Yep. It's really good. Well, um, what are what are some ways we can walk alongside those who are struggling with grief? Yeah, so 
I'm glad you said something about grief because that is one of our chapters. Helping somebody who's weeping, and we call it truth for the weeping because we don't want to just give platitudes, right? Things that might not be helpful, even if they're straight from the scripture, we need to be cautious what we're saying to somebody um, that we want to speak gently and considerately. And in our um, chapter, we did bring up several passages, such as the uh, Revelation 21 gives a glimpse of what is coming. The time of weeping will be over. But not only that, but the fact that the Lord dries our tears. He's uh, He's walking with us. That may be what we need to do when somebody is grieving, especially something fresh. And I think, again, this question is appropriate for the holidays because there will be empty seats. Well, they'll be filled by other people, let's say, but we are missing certain people. I've lost my father within the last 14 months. So here's another holiday when Mm. my dad, yeah, his, his traditions are remembered by us, but he's not there. So just acknowledge that sadness. It's a way of respecting that person too, that like, I feel free to talk to my mother about my father and he would love this, or he would remember how much he liked uh, pumpkin pie, Mm -hmm. bringing them into our celebrations of the holidays, bringing them before us and not forgetting him. So we also um, speak about Psalm 13, that the person who's grieving can come to the Lord and just say, I need you. This is when I really need you more. Um, We cover that beautiful section in Lamentations where like the book of Lament talks so much about the terrible things that have happened. And yet chapter three, we talked through verses 19 through 26 with the restoration that God promises. Um, And it may be far off, but the actual message is that the Lord will carry us. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And that is the best thing we could tell somebody who's grieving. And we may be after we've sat with them for a while or after we look through photos together of previous holidays. And now it's like, oh, I'd like to share with you how the Bible has comforted me. We can even say that. This is how I've been comforted. Could I tell you that? So again, I'm not stepping in and trying to solve this grief, or, but I'm coming alongside and caring for you. Mm. Really good. Yeah. And that and that kind of takes James 119 as well, you know, the listening, the asking of the questions, the the you know, not to be overly intrusive, but to to dig in and to to actually do, you know, Galatians six, one through two, bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. So Amen. Yeah. What are what are what are some ways that we can walk alongside those who are, you know, full of worry and anxiety? Well, that's what I do a lot in my counseling. 
Um, and the first thing is to listen to what's the basis of the worry. What is the big concern? And that comes from all different things. Um, so instead of just saying, I understand, or I've been worried before, here's what you should do. It's like the woman who's had a miscarriage and now she's afraid to get pregnant. She's worried. So that's way different than I'm worried about how I'm going to pay the tax bill. So we've got all these different categories. The word, though, applies to, to all of it. And so Cheryl and I um, begin with Matthew 6, where Jesus resets and just says, here, look who, look at my care for all these parts of creation. How much more will I care for you? The person who's ready to listen will be one who is tender towards the word of God and ready to find comfort. But if you say that to somebody, you should watch, Dave, you should watch the sigh of relief that comes over. Like, oh, and it could be a physical reaction to the scripture as it's being read. Like God's care, God's um, sovereignty over all things is a comfort to you. So that's where um, I use Psalm 27 a lot to say God is in this and he's a good God. He's a loving God. He will care for you. And we we all can be weak like that. And it helps for me to also say I have been weak at times or I have felt that way and I'm not judging you. I'm recognizing your weakness in this area. Hmm. Yeah. There's so many passages. I think of First Peter five seven. The Lord, the Lord cares for you, you know. And then He tells us to humble ourselves. Um, yeah, right. isn't that interesting? Ah, the Lord cares for you. Now humble yourself. Huh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and I think that means humble yourself in what God is doing right now. So the worry is uh, the gas prices, let's say, and you've got a job that's commuter job. Well, that's a worry, but start with, okay, God is in this. He will care for me. Yeah, I, I like what you what you said at the beginning. Um, I like all of that, but like the the idea that people's worries are complex and people aren't just, a, it's not just a cookie cutter type thing because we can do that. We can just be like, well, here's a, here's a situation. Here's how I've dealt with it. But I mean, that's kind of like that's that's what we call projection, right? We're projecting ourselves onto the person rather yeah. than really hearing the person, and I and I think that's really really important what you said. So, um, any any thoughts about that or anything? Well, I'm the scripture, right? We're rightly dividing the word of truth, and we're applying using the sword of the Lord, sword of the Spirit to accurately help people that's really good well how does knowing the promises of god give us the confidence to speak the truth with grace to one another great question and i don't know if you got this out of our chapter 11 but chapter 11 goes through moses who really had to be reminded of who god was in his situation. <laughs> so we have, you know, if we look at Moses' struggle in verse six 
in Exodus 3, he gives all kinds of reasons why he can't speak the truth. And God's promises are right there. He says, I will be with you is the first one. The, he says, I am the who I am. Say to the people, I am has sent me. He's promised to do a miracle before the people to make to affirm Moses' credibility. He's promised that when Moses said, I can't speak, I don't know, I can't I have no skill in speaking. He says, I will be your with your mouth. You know, I promise you I will be there. And then he says, I will get, provide someone to speak for you. So we're looking at what we're called to do to speak the truth. And some of us may need to remember the role of the Holy Spirit, which is how I pray every time I go in for counseling. So that counseling related, I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. But before we meet with our family members for the holidays or before we understand that um, we have a tough elder meeting and the men coming into the elder meeting, I they could pray ahead of time, Lord, prepare me for that. I know you want to work within this church. I know you want to um, do your will through our body. So prepare us for that. And I know you're there with us. Um, yeah, I think that would do a lot to give us confidence. And I also would say that if God were, if Jesus were here, he would say that to this person. So that also gives us confidence for quoting Christ to people where his hands and feet doing his will. Yeah, it's really good. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago about just making sure asking ourselves a couple of questions, you know, um, is what I'm going to say a benefit to other people like Ephesians 429 says, and, you know, Colossians three and I mean, so many passages, right. We could cite. <laughs> But or is it for my own benefit and, and not the good of other people? And if it's not for the good of other people, then, you know, whether we're on social media, holidays, whatever, you know, we would we would do well to just, you know, zip our trap and or stop our keyboard, stop our fingers from, from typing. And well, could I approach that from another direction? Yeah, as... go for it. Because there are some of us who are too afraid to speak up when we should. And an example might be, well, Aunt Nancy is spreading gossip right here. And she's telling us all this dirt on somebody else in the family. I might be afraid to say something, but what would the Lord want me to do? How could I realize that? God is with me to tell Aunt Nancy we need to talk about that another time, or we should not be talking about it in this setting. Or I don't sure I'm not sure that is honoring to the Lord to say those things. So it might give us courage for the the faint-hearted to know how to speak the truth. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, there, it's 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 always there's always you say something and then you're like, oh wait, and there's another side to this, and that's so good. I mean, because we don't want to be heard to never say anything, you know, and I, and I don't want anybody to hear that either. You know, we, we do have to say things. And I think what you said is, is really good. Um, we do have to, 
you know, I know in the, in my past, I could be so prone to, to not say something because I'm like, um, you know, there's a consequence every time you, you, you say something, especially on a podcast or social media or any event or whatever. And uh, that can be scary. Um, you know, it should give us pause. You know, we should have a healthy fear, but that shouldn't be a crippling thing. And I think that's kind of what you're you're highlighting highlighting there am i am i tracking with you a little bit that's right yeah yeah that's true how do we how do we how do we deal with that kind of crippling fear because i think people do you know have that they have a maybe a proper fear of god but they don't they do have an overwhelming sense of like hey um they're just like maybe overwhelmed by that how how would they how would you how do we deal with that uh i think that antidote is fear of the Lord, for sure. But recognize that am I, I might be fearing the person. I might be fearing that reaction and not being bold. I might be afraid of what they will think of me. Now, here's that Christian again. I might be afraid of um, my reputation. Or I might be afraid to just um, not fit in with the group. And I think a lot of us will be in those situations, too, where the tendency with the groups, say, maybe it's getting out of hand with the conversation or it can turn ugly. Things can turn ugly pretty fast. Do I stop and say something? Well, it's like the old, uh, would the Lord want me to do that? Galatians 6 1 says to all of us, if anyone's caught in a transgression, do I see a transgression? Then those of us who are spiritual should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. So you've already quoted that passage, but it's true that we also need to be humble because we might be tempted to do the same thing. But the, the calling is to not fear people, fear the Lord, and submit yourself to the word. Yeah, this is something I'm actually very concerned about. Um, in our current environment where, you know, just touching on what you said, it, it's something that I think people really struggle with, especially, I don't know, after COVID and even before COVID, um, you know, there are things that we have to speak up and do, do need to say. And I think that some people are afraid to say the things that need to be said, or they're overly afraid of the reaction that they might get. And uh, coming out of COVID, that's kind of for me, it's been something that I'm just kind of like, you know what? For the, we do have to be careful. We do have to be cautious. So don't hear me. Nobody should hear me. But for the sake of the honor of Christ and the 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 honor of His sufficient Word, there are things that need to be said, and we have to say those things. And so, um, you know, I, we could list some of those things like social justice and you know the, the Enneagram and you know just two two examples. You know, just say put flesh on the meat on the bone but oops sorry i said it out loud but you know like we but we have to say those things and we have to say those things in love yeah let's uh i'd like to bring up another example too is this uh gender identity issue and the sexual revolution it's like we find ourselves stepping against society and being afraid to um stand up for truth but we need to do it in love as well So we can speak to lovingly to our family members who are 
say, confused about their gender or um, bring home a same-sex partner speaking lovingly to them, and yet to make a stand for what we believe is right based on the word. And that may ostracize us from other family who say, we should all accept that, or we all need to be loving without the truth side of it. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Well, Carolyn, where can people find you on social media or otherwise? I have a website called carolineneuheiser.com. All one long string of words. And that has some blogs I've written. It does have other information about the book. And Cheryl Marshall, my co-author, has her own website called CherylMarshall.com. But she also is on Instagram and uh, people can follow her there. And she would love to uh, interact with you. And I appreciate that you give us that chance to get that word out, Dave. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as I always say, just as we wrap up, you know, there's a lot that, that could be said about this topic. Do you have any takeaways for those who listen and watch this podcast? I would stick with my message that our main purpose is to honor and glorify God with our words and be light and truth to the world around us. Mm, That's really good. Well, folks, we've been talking today with uh, Carolyn Neuheiser. Um, She wrote this great book with Cheryl Marshall, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. I encourage you to pick it up. You'll be very encouraged and helped. Uh, so for in your life and ministry. So thank you, Carolyn, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.